Welcome back to Hit Subscribe, where we chat with key leaders in the e-commerce space to discuss the present and future state of commerce optimization. On today's episode, you'll get to learn a bit about your new hosts for this next season as we chat on our thoughts and reflections on the 2023 State of Subscription Commerce Report. By the way, if you haven't heard yet, Recharge is hosting our annual ChargeX conference in Washington, D.C. on April 26th through the 28th, where we invite industry-leading merchants, partners, and experts to discuss the global e-commerce market. If you haven't gotten a ticket yet, you can use the code CX25OFF at checkout to get 25% off. Let's dive right in. I'm going to go in the order that I have it in my notes. So Kristen, tell us a bit about you, your role, a little bit of where you're coming from, and then some fun things that you like to do in your free time. Yeah, I I feel like I haven't been on the mic in a hot minute, but the mic is where I am the most at home. I am Kristen LaFrance. A lot of people call me KLF or Crispy LaPants, if you've been subscribed to any of my newsletters ever. My role here at Recharge is Merchant Engagement Strategist, which is as made up of a title as it sounds, essentially meaning that I'm really looking at from the top down all the ways we are talking to the brands we're working with, the touch points we have, the value, the information, the content we're giving them, and making sure we're just showing up as the thought leader, as the authority, and as like the most helpful tool in their tech stack. So that means a lot of things. I'm touching social and community and content and podcasting. And I'm super excited about it. Um, brief history. I've been basically like circling the recharge ecosystem my whole career. Have worked at a couple of partner tech companies, have done a little stint at Shopify. I've been talking about customer retention and D2C since I can remember being in this industry. So it's super exciting to finally like be at recharge and being able to not just talk about it, but also show up with a product that really does a lot of the work for our merchants and helps them actually succeed in retention. As far as fun stuff, you asked me, Kat, earlier when we were prepping, like a, a fun thing outside of work. This maybe is not surprising to anybody who follows me or knows me. I have three dogs. I love them as if they came out of my own body. They are my children. Uh, I will do anything for them. So uh, dog obsession is a big thing for me. If you follow me on any social media, it's pretty much dog pictures. Also, something I think a lot of people don't know, a spin instructor and a strength coach. So being able to kind of go, you know, get paid to work out and yell at other people while I can get off the bike whenever I want is super nice. And then lastly, I think something random, maybe like my favorite song on repeat. I think there's a question that has been served up right now. My favorite song on repeat is so expected, but Miley Cyrus's flowers can't get over I it. Love it. Miley. Always going to stand for Miley. I love that. And for some reason, we didn't discuss this before, but I felt like as soon as you said, this is not a surprise, I knew it was going to be flowers by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Everybody loves it. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. And all the drama that surrounds it. Anyway, so much drama. I love it. <laughs> Cool. Okay. That brings us to Chase, veteran. Tell us a bit about yourself, what you've been doing with your career or here at Recharge specifically, and something fun about yourself. All right. Appreciate it. My name is Chase Alderton. I am super excited to be back for season four of Hit Subscribe. I will be your host for the partner-focused episodes, which again, I'm pumped to continue taking on I've been in this partner's world for over three years now, three and a half years, something like that. I've been at Recharge for over five years now. So I've been here for a long time, seen a lot of the changes from startup to where we are now. Um, it's been such an awesome journey. 
a lot of growth, a lot of things to kind of work on and maneuver and get over and build with and problems and solutions. And it's been really fun to see the whole process. So I'm excited to kind of keep pushing that on and, and bring that to, to this hosting opportunity here. My title at Recharge is Partner Marketing Manager. As with most people at Recharge, that is only a piece of what I do. So a lot of my day-to-day is merchant acquisition, working with partners and marketing and sales in every department we have at Recharge, working to get people on location and talking about Recharge. Content has always been a passion of mine as well. So working on the podcast, being able to talk with our top merchants, our top partners, hear what problems they're having, hear what solutions they're creating, how they're serving the e-commerce industry. That's always been super, super exciting for me. So again, I'm pumped to be back hosting season four. This is going to be a blast. Outside of Recharge, you could either find me in the gym lifting heavy weights. Shout out to Kristen. I'm a big cocktail nerd. I'm happy to talk about anything you want, any kind of things, any day. And I have the best margarita recipe out of anyone and no one's beat me yet. So challenge me. We'll talk about that. I don't watch a lot of TV or a lot of anything. Do listen to music. I've been really into podcasts. I'm going to flip it. Everything on TV right now is sports related for me, which again, probably shouldn't come as a surprise, but we're recording this in March right now. March Madness is well underway. I'm pumped about that. My Boston Celtics are doing well in the NBA, excited for football to come back. I'm a big sports fan. So anytime we can talk cocktails, weights, or basketball, football, sports, I'm all in. Chase, I'm from Texas, which means my standard of margarita is high, 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 high. You're going to have to prove this to me and or send me your secrets off mic because we won't share the Chase secret. I'm happy to. Maybe we do a side podcast. We'll do like one of those like three to five minute bite size something. We'll talk. There we go. Best cocktail recipes. There we go. I'm in. So my name is Katrina. I am a content marketing strategist. What that means also is very up in the air, I think, in the tech space. But I was in technical support when I first started at Recharge. And then I jumped over to account management. And prior to working at Recharge, I was also at Shopify. So I've been in the e-commerce space for a few years from different angles of working with merchants and now in the content marketing strategy space, more on the content side. So not as much customer-facing work which is still pretty fun. Like content is fun. I am a consumer, so I consume content all the time. And that's where I'm going to say my experience comes from. (laughs) What do I do outside of work? I am big on rock climbing. So it's kind of fun that we all are into fitness in some form. I am very into bouldering specifically, which is the rock climbing without the ropes and the harnesses. And it's kind of like the free falling one. It's great. If y'all haven't tried it, we shall try it one day. And then the last thing, something that I have watched, not that recently, but is still on my mind and also is on my mind because it's all over TikTok and social media right now for winning a bunch of Oscars is everything, everywhere, all at once, which if you haven't watched it, you need to. It made me cry more than I normally do in any given day. And it is just so beautiful. So anyways, that's me. I still have not seen it, and I don't know what I'm waiting for. I think I want to be in the right mindset. It's like I'm expecting it's going to be like Inception where I need to be kind of paying attention to the movie. Yeah, and I'm I'm a tired girl. Like (laughs) 7 p.m. hits, and I'm like, I don't know if I have any more focus left. (laughs) Well, I feel like we should probably talk about the elephant or two beautiful women in the room, you know? 
That was a good segue, wasn't it? Last season, I think you did not hear from either a Kristen slash KLF or a cat. So we've got two new hosts on. Chase, maybe I'll toss this to you. What are you excited about with this upcoming season? What's what's happening different? Why do you why do you have two new hosts with you? I'm excited to bring in new voices. You know, I I have been around a long time and I'm sure people are starting to get sick of me. I'm pretty pumped to have everybody else included. Cat slash Katrina brings in lots of content knowledge, lots of specialty on what's going on in the e-commerce world. She really has her ear to the ground in understanding all of our metrics. I know we're getting into talking about the SSC report pretty soon. So she's all over that and knowing what's going on with all our merchants. And Kristen, you're someone I've followed in the podcast space for a long time. So it's an honor for us to have you not only at Recharge, but in tandem on the podcast, co-hosting with all of us. So co-co-hosting because there's three of us. So hopefully our listeners will will enjoy that as well. I am so excited to be here. I am like blushing, but I have <laughs> enough makeup on where you can't quite see it. I'm sweating, actually, but I wore a black T-shirt, so you can't see my sweat. Uh, What's funny about this is the very first guest blog post that was ever published under my name was published on the Recharge blog in partnership with Chase. So it's such a full circle moment to be here back in content, but actually like with you on the mic. And Kat, so excited to have you kind of leading us through this uh, whole process and making sure we stay on track. Oh, God. That's a lot of pressure. Also, that is so lovely. And I just love that for you guys. It just really came full circle. It was full circle. We love it. First person to find the link to that blog post and send it to us wins something. Something. Haven't decided and I don't know what yet. it is, but we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> It'll be so cool. It'll be It'll the be coolest really cool. swag ever. Yeah, this is right like on a, the spot right now. Like a I signed copy <laughs> of our first blog post. <laughs> Well, let's get into this uh, state of subscription report. We decided to kind of talk about this on our first episode altogether because I feel like it, I don't know, sets the foundation of what this season is going to be. Just understanding what is happening in the subscription world, what is happening across different verticals, what we're seeing at Recharge. We talked to over 15,000 merchants. We looked at data from over 15,000 merchants for this report. Lots of really interesting stuff. Looked at all different verticals beauty and personal care, fashion apparel, food and bev, health and wellness, home goods, pets and animals, and other. And we also look through multiple KPIs, so key performance indicators, looking at really important ones. So AOV, average order value. I feel like this is a quiz on D2C terms. LTV, lifetime value, monthly recurring revenue, MRR, just switching it around, (laughs) and customer churn. And then lastly, customer retention. So we'll talk through... You know, we're not going to go super in depth because uh, you can definitely go read this on our website. We won't go in too many details, but fun conversation just to start off on like what surprised all of us? What is interesting about this, especially with Chase? You've been here at Recharge for five years. Congratulations. I think I've been here for five weeks. Yay. Uh, (laughs) Kat, you're kind of in the middle. So we all come from these like different perspectives of being in like inundated in the subscription economy so just gonna like open this up what's like the first thing when you read this that just kind of really stuck out to you with this report i'm happy to kick it off and take this first i think the big one for me which is something we've been focusing on for a little while is that food and bev has become such a massive massive vertical i remember really early on in our podcast and really early on in covid 
subscription for all the subscription products on recharge, alcohol had passed non-alcoholic beverages, I think like three months into the pandemic. And that was one of the funniest statistics that had ever come up that I saw. So a lot of people were drinking early on in COVID. There. Seems about right. Um, Same. As we progress through the end of COVID, obviously, we're all excited to be out of that. But Food and Bev has still grown massively and it has found a, a true home in subscription. It's our fastest growing vertical year over year. I think it has been three years in a row now. Meal kits, food delivery, vegetables, meats, all those kinds of things on subscription are so powerful. Whether it's people don't have a lot of time in their day to go grocery shopping, or they just want to have everything delivered, they want to have consistency in their meal plan. Obviously, health has been something really top of mind for a lot of people as we've progressed over the last couple of years. That's been really, really interesting to me. And and I'll add one other thing, which is that consistency and that that piece of, you know, I always get what I what I want and it's it's consistent. I, I know how it's coming every single week. I think there's a lot of opportunity in food and bev for surprise and delight as well. Meal kits in particular, you can do randomized boxes. You can get new frozen meals or fresh meals every week. There's a whole different type of like snack boxes and a bunch of random things that can be delivered to your door to keep it fresh and keep it exciting. So food and bev, while maybe not surprising, continues to be kind of the the leader of the pack in in how you should really tackle DTC subscription. Why don't we stay on this food and bev conversation? Because it's such an interesting like vertical within subscriptions and within D2C. Like when we're recording this, I'm just coming out of Expo West, which mm-hmm. is the ultimate party for all snack and beverage brands. But the interesting thing is it's this massive expo where all the brands you could possibly imagine are. Like I was walking through the the expo just going like, oh my God, I buy your tortillas. I buy your salsa. I buy this bread. Oh my, I buy this and this. Even talk to a brand like, oh, I, I buy your lettuce every week. <laughs> this is the, I love you guys in the retail side of things. But a lot of these brands are retail first or retail focused with a D2C arm kind of supporting. And yet we're seeing this like massive growth on D2C. So average order value increasing over year to year, LTV increasing, churn, honestly, pretty even across comparatively to some of the other categories we might talk about. And retention seems to be where it's, you know, it's harder with food and Bev. And I think we can get into maybe some of the why. But what I find so interesting coming off of Expo West is even though food and Bev tends to make a lot more sense on the surface in retail, there's this entire play about driving also a D2C loyalty with a certain brand. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of brands that stand out for me, like Fly by Jing is one of them that to me, I just think is crushing on both fronts. And it's an interesting thing to think about these brands having to balance retail and D2C. And I think on the surface, a lot of us go like D2C isn't going to work for food and Bev, but our data says something different. Kat, I feel like you have something to say about this one. No, I agree. I also saw your post on LinkedIn about your findings from the Expo West, which was really interesting, by the way. I love the way that you formatted that post. But So many emojis. Yeah. So I find this whole topic very interesting because this has come up a lot in the account management world, how we've gone from like commerce to e-commerce and kind of now back to commerce. Like e-commerce is just now a part of commerce in general. I find it very interesting when brands are expanding into more of that D2C space because they're seeing that people are going for it. And the part where people are going for it is interesting to me because it kind of shows the shift in consumer behavior and how we are valuing 
that relationship between the brands that we're purchasing from and ourselves like that that is very interesting to me because prior to like the surgence of social media and and all this information about what's out there we were very like let's just go to the store and just buy whatever is most convenient and now especially with like gen zers and that that population of people there's a lot more like well no what is this brand doing differently and why would i want to buy into this brand and so seeing brands like food and beverage which feels like this thing that's very natural and ordinary and part of like our daily living branch into that that space where it's like we can be more than just that food that you consume we can also be like this cool club that you're a part of where you're like joining our communities and and we're sharing tips on how to use your matcha properly and and whatnot that whole thing is very interesting to me i love that so much because it really does i think it represents like generational cultural shifts from going to the grocery store looking for the cheapest thing looking for the easiest thing and there really wasn't a lot of brand loyalty which is actually one of the reasons people get into cpg is because there's you know you buy this chip one week but next week you might have a different kind of taste in your head so it's it's easy to switch brands between food and bev which makes sense why there's you know a higher subscriber count at the beginning and then retention gets harder for these brands. But also it means that consumers are acting so differently about the way they pick food. And it's becoming a lot more similar to the way we pick clothes and and things that kind of represent who we are. Maybe this is a fun question. Are either of you guys subscribed to any kind of food or Bev product? If not, do you have any that you've been looking at to subscribe to? Chase, I feel like you are. I'm only I subscribed to one to one food and bev, but I subscribe to Aloha bars, which are my favorite kind of supplemental like nutritional health bar. We've actually had Aloha bars on our podcast in the past. That's actually what got me into it in the first place. But great nutritionally, my fiance and I love the flavors there. We're all over the chocolate cookie dough right now, chocolate chip cookie dough, but they have a bunch of flavors. The espresso one's awesome with actual espresso in it, actual caffeine in it. So there's an added boost. Love that. Um, but yeah, Kristen, I think you make a great point that it's it's easy to swap between different products. So loyalty is hard. You'd expect churn to be really high, but it's not what we're seeing in the data. So it's it really truly is a, an interesting feel. Kat, what do you subscribe to? I subscribe to, okay, I'm kind of bad at this also. I was raised in an Asian household. So the topic of subscriptions in general seems kind of taboo because it's kind of like, why do you expect to spend money in the future? <laughs> so <laughs> this is kind of, I, I hope my parents are not listening to this because I think they would judge me, but I do subscribe to a smoothie subscription Ooh. and I did stay kind of true to my roots and I spaced it out. So my my frequency was very far apart in case like I changed my mind, but it does come as a pleasant surprise in like three or five months. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this. And now I don't have to make lunch. I'm a smoothie girl this week. I love it. (laughs) It's very convenient. But I let you're bringing up such important points on the the differing consumer psychology too, and how culture and lifestyle and background on consumers really does impact how you even think about subscription Mm -hmm. from a consumer perspective. Which I think from the brand perspective, a lot of times we're going, well, if you have it every day, it's 30 days. Switch it to 30 days. But that doesn't always make sense for everybody because there's so many factors at play. Yeah. And I think, Kristen, you've been in this space for a while. So you've kind of seen the shifts in e-commerce in general. So with food and bev, though, I think something I found interesting that I'd love to hear your opinions on are 
yes, we're seeing that food and bed is still growing, but we know like inflation is a thing. Consumer behavior has shifted and, and wanting to be more loyal to brands, but also people are not wanting to spend that much money. They're more conscious in what they are buying. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts have been and kind of seeing that unfold over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's super interesting. And it's such a good point. I mean, I remember like budgeting on like a Google sheet when I was in college and it was like $100 a week on groceries. And I'm like, $250 a week on groceries. And it just like kind of blew over my head that I had two and a half X my budget. I think the interesting thing with this is with food and Bev, especially, you feel like on a very regular cadence, you feel that price inflation versus if you're a remote worker like all of us, we maybe don't drive as much. I don't fill up my gas tank all that much. So when gas prices rise, I was like, eh, I drive two miles to like my gym and that's about it. Whereas food, you're going to eat it every week and you're going to really feel that cost difference. So in order for subscriptions, especially on e-commerce to kind of survive that, I think what we've seen is one, there has to be a differentiator that is worth it to go to the e-commerce store because we're all going to the grocery store regardless. We can't necessarily fulfill our carts all on e-com. Some days you just wake up and you really want mac and cheese and you're going to run to your local whatever version of Kroger is in your city and you're going to pick it up and you're going to end up in the store. So I think what we've seen is there has to be a differentiator that it's worth the wait. If you either don't have enough, you run out, you want to still order from that brand. Or even if you have too much, it's okay because you know you're going to use it. With all of these categories we're going to talk about, I think this is the the key to it, is it has to become part of the routine, part of your life as a consumer. So for me, the only food and bev product that I am subscribed to because um, I have these, these things where one week, one snack tastes like dopamine, and then the next week it tastes <laughs> terrible. And I got to keep going on this roller coaster. <laughs> I don't have consistency. One thing I do every single night is cook dinner on 90% of the nights. I love cooking. And Graza is a brand that I love. Their olive oil comes in like a squeeze bottle. And it's the simple thing of the fact that they made it a squeeze bottle that I can't get at retail. Yeah. And it's a better experience. And that plus the brand narrative, the content, the recipes they send out, the inspiration of like different ways to use their olive oil made me just go, I'm actually never going to buy olive oil from the grocery store again, even if it's more expensive, because these benefits are worth it and because I'm supporting something with this daily habit. I feel like tying those two things together, very, very difficult, not easy. Like, I feel like we'll probably have merchants listening going like, cool, Chris and get your customers to be on a routine. That's easy. It's super difficult, but I think that's kind of the core of a lot of this is in subscription world, you're not just getting access to somebody's credit card, to somebody's address. You're actually getting access to their inner lives and you have to become part of their home life. Like your product is sitting on their counter every single day. So does it remind them of something that makes it worth buying again and again? That's how I think about that kind of inflation, which is interesting. Like we've had inflation in grocery stores, I think are all over the news about it. And yet we're seeing growth in this category. And I really do think it's that there are things that we are okay buying whatever brand. And then there are things in our diets that we really want to know where we're getting it from, 
who we're buying from and how it's improving our life. And the brands that have really honed in on that are doing fantastic. Mm. Yeah, that actually made me wonder, and I'd love to hear from either of you, actually. That makes a lot of sense, but something that kind of has been coming up more is this idea of like marketplaces like Amazon and offering mm-hmm. things with Prime and whatnot. And it has been said that this is going to be like the death of D2C because it just offers a lot of challenges and whatnot. I'm kind of curious to hear because it sounds like we're talking a lot about how DDC is going to be the next thing or like it's the thing that you had to continue investing in. But what about Amazon and what about like those big guys kind of coming in? I'm hesitant to use the word data because I think that's a four hour conversation and I <laughs> know that this is not scheduled for four hours. <laughs> but I think that the main difference we're seeing from D2C and Amazon is data. I think the the customer experience, and again, it's such an overused term, so I hate to throw stats and acronyms and, and things like the customer experience, but the it, it truly is the most important piece of this whole thing. I think Kristen is the perfect example with the Graza, the, the olive oil example. It's still the same olive oil you're buying from the grocery store. It's just in a squeeze bottle. Like when you mm-hmm. drill it all the way down, like it's the same thing, but the experience doing that is so much better. And the shipping is so much better. And the the content, like you said, is so much better. And it's a gorgeous bottle too. The colors are bright and saturated, the green so and yellow. So nice. It's really cool. That doesn't exist on Amazon. So so I think there's still there's still an opportunity without trying to be too long-winded. There's an opportunity and there's a place where everyone can still live. I know Amazon is, you know, kind of a bad word in, in the DC language, but there's a place, there's a time and a place for Amazon. Like if you're just selling a simple, you know, buy pens and you know you, you for some reason you need 50 pens a month like yeah just get those pens from amazon there's no reason to do that if you want nicer customer experience if you're looking for a, a specific type of olive oil you want to feel part of that community it's a revolution it's people who are cooking and it's artists and like it's all of those kind of things you go with the Graz olive oil and that's mm. something that recharge provides that's something that there's a customer experience for where i think that's it's it's just kind of the the other end of the coin there Oh, that was such a good point. And it brought something right to my head that is when I take that Graza olive oil and I squeeze it in a pan, it actually has nothing to do with like the consistency or the cleanliness or whatever. It's that for like that one second of a day, I'm like, I am a professional chef. This is how chefs <laughs> put it on. And it's just that little like experience that I'm getting. I think also this this D2C versus Amazon conversation is very similar to D2C versus retail. So you find a lot of these brands that do have these amazing stories, amazing mm-hmm. communities, but finding consumers is really hard, really expensive. We know this. this is why retention is the end-all be-all of D2C brands now. It becomes kind of an entrance channel. And then the conversation goes, can we find consumers on this channel with that we know they're searching for something like health and wellness brand they're searching for this supplement can they find us on amazon and then can we bring them in because our product is so good and our follow-up is so good and x y and z the experience is so good that they'd actually rather buy directly from us than amazon even if all their other stuff is on amazon That's a very intricate, complex conversation and a very difficult thing to do. But that is what the best brands are doing is they might be in retail. uh, They might be sitting in Target. They might be sitting on Amazon. They're sitting at all these different retailers 
and they have a D2C site and they're not competing with these channels. They're trying mm-hmm. to find how do we balance them all, but bring in our most like effervescent fans onto D2C because they're going to already spend the most. They're going to be the most helpful customers to our brand. They're going to drive our growth. That's the balance that I think we're going to see a lot of brands playing with in 2023 is how do you have both channels or multiple channels and not cannibalize any of them, but empower all of them? And it's the reason actually why some of the biggest and best brands hire multiple people to manage those different channels. Because mm-hmm. the Amazon channel is is just a different business than the D2C channel. And the mm-hmm. D2C channel is just a different business than the retail channel. So having each of those three things not compete with each other, where you're not looking at one whole unified price, you're looking at what's our D2C looking like? What's our Amazon looking like? What's our retail looking like? And kind of pulling pieces from each of that to understand where you are in the market. That's where it becomes really powerful. And I don't mean to suggest that the only way that you could be successful is having three different people manage that because I know that's expensive and usually not realistic. But if you can separate things and look at things instead of just how much money we're we making or how many units did we sell last year, if you can separate and you can look at all of the data and look at the whys behind what's happening, that's where it becomes really powerful. And then you can really drill into, okay, well, what's going to make a, a big difference in March of this year? What's going to make a big difference in June of this year? Mm-hmm. And you can start to plan things out that way. Yeah. Kat, I feel like you asked a question and Chase and I both were like, we're not going to give long-winded answers and then gave 20-minute answers. I'm going to flip it back to you. We've been talking a lot about food and Bev. I think we've kind of like gone into some other pieces and it is all all related. It's just I think food and Bev is on on all of our minds right now. Also, it's like almost happy hour time on a Friday. So, of course, food and Bev is on our mind. What in this this subscription report from last year, other than food and Bev, what was the next category that like really excited you or surprised you or disappointed you? Any of those things? What is the other one next to food and Bev that just really like, oh, that's something? Honestly, and very candidly, nothing really surprised me about the verticals. I think the only other thing in the report that actually kind of surprised me was the the point about customers purchasing from multiple brands, like the number of products that they subscribe to generally stayed the same per brand, but that the, the fact that they kind of went and found multiple other brands to then subscribe to, that surprised me just because Ooh. of, again, this idea of inflation and and like wanting to be more conscious about your spending habits. But then going into that space where you're like, no, I'm going to spend money on this again in like three months and I'm going to make sure it happens by subscribing. That surprised me personally. I don't know if you guys felt the same. Yeah. It's interesting because just to bring it back to Expo West, it's just so fresh in my mind that one of the trends I saw was a lot of the larger, especially the larger, more mature brands looking into product expansion, which is kind of this like underrated retention strategy of, Oh, you subscribe to our toothpaste, but now we got to like increase ALV. We got to increase MRR. We got to increase LTV. All of a sudden you're thinking about floss and then you're thinking about toothbrushes and then you're thinking about sleep gummy. Like you have to start expanding outside your product. And we're seeing that actually happen from like the top, top, top down. Just things like Primal Kitchen, their D2C channel has gone really hard on supplements over the salad dressings and the food and Bev kind of side of things. So 
it's very curious to kind of kind of see that like consumers are saying, I like subscribing to certain things, but if this brand doesn't have all of it, then I'll go to another brand. So I think we're starting to see the merchants respond by going, okay, we are Primal Kitchen and we are a kitchen pantry staple, but also it's kind of health and wellness. So we're going to go into mm-hmm. uh, collagen. And then very similarly, you're watching brands like Kodiak Cakes, was pancakes and waffles. And now they're going into like bread and granola and these other things. And Dr. Bronner's is probably the craziest one I've ever seen. Dr. Bronner's is like soap. It is the most concentrated soap I've ever seen. I love it. I actually use the like almond scented Dr. Bronner's. Dr. Bronner's is now going like personal care food. They're going into chocolate. It's wild. But I think it's because our data is kind of showing us what they have probably already kind of seen in their customer data. They're subscribing, but we're not serving them all the things they kind of want in this box that's coming 30 days, 60 days, whatever. So they're going to other brands. So what other brands are they going to? And then can we just create product offerings that bring them back to us? Yeah. Yeah. I do think, and I think this is a good way to kind of like finish off this conversation too. I think from what you said, I do have a prediction that the idea of memberships is going to be really important for retention and kind of the evolution of what the subscription model is going to look like. Because even with like the brands that you're seeing are expanding their product offerings, essentially what they're offering is like become a member of whatever we have to offer. And I think we've already kind of seen that with some brands, but I think it's going to be a more popular model of business in the coming years as well. Any predictions from you guys as well? Before I give my predictions, I think this is actually a really good point to pause on because there's probably a lot of people who immediately read this report, which we will make sure is linked in every show description, everything um, that you need to find it. Just go to show notes. But that we put fashion and apparel in here, I think right off the bat, people are going to go like, how is fashion and apparel Mm -hmm. a subscription? And what we see is a lot of these brands are going more towards this membership model. And the membership stuff is so incredibly exciting to me on so many fronts. I could literally talk about this for four hours. So I'm going to shut up. But Chase, I want to know like your thoughts on one fashion and apparel as subscription model and how that ties into this like membership conversation. I think this is the future of subscription, to be completely honest. And I don't mean to badmouth subscribe and save. And I don't mean to badmouth subscription boxes, curated boxes. But I think membership is the sustainable long-term way to truly build a subscription model. And it's because of exactly what you two just said. People are loyal to brands. They're not loyal to products. So think about your favorite apparel brand. So we're we're all athletes. We were were talking about that earlier. I wear almost exclusively Lululemon shorts to work out in. They are the best. Make fun of me for however much you want. It's a women's company. What I don't care. They are the best shorts. <laughs> the quality is yeah, top phenomenal. Notch. And yeah. I like that there's a zipper pocket on the side where I can put yeah. my phone for music as opposed to having to like bounce around in my butt in the front pocket when my legs are moving. <laughs> underrated. Yeah, underrated. But yeah. so I'm not loyal to a single pair of their shorts. I'm not going to subscribe to the same pair of shorts, even if you want to mm-hmm. pull in variants. I'm not going to buy the same pair of shorts in green and red and blue over and over again. I am currently wearing the green ones. Hopefully you don't be... need a new pair of shorts every 30 days. If you do, we need to get you on a probiotic supplement. 
yeah. unsubscribe and save. <laughs> what I am loyal to, though, it would be a membership to Lulu. So yeah. X yeah. dollars a month, whatever it is, give me a certain percent discount on their products. Let me build up some credit internally. I know they do things like yoga classes in store. I know they have fitness classes on weekends, afternoons, happy hours, things like that. Give me additional options for you know new releases or limited limited edition drops. I have extended family that's based in Hawaii. I knew they they do screen printing on their clothes where you can get actually the Hawaii state outline on their clothes cool. sometimes. Limited edition cool. things like that. You put a, a Lulu membership model in front of me, and I'm going to be your first customer. Yeah, because then I will end up buying more clothes than I need probably. But that's mm-hmm. loyalty. It's not. I want the same bar over and over again, or I want the same bag of lettuce over and over again. It's, I love your brand. I love what you stand for. I love the products you make. Give me more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, I have not, Kat, you asked us for predictions and I just commandeered the question and skirted it away because I haven't thought of a prediction yet. But (laughs) I'm curious, would you subscribe to a fashion and apparel membership? Me personally... No, I was, okay, I was faced with this challenge when I got more serious about fitness because I think it was Fabletics or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they give you such a good discount if you're a member and you subscribe. But I heard like it's so terrible to try to cancel. And I knew that I was going to want to cancel because I'd start feeling guilty about all the clothes I was about to get. And that just kind of stuck with me. So I don't think I would subscribe to a clothing brand personally. And again, that's my roots. <laughs> <laughs> that's my roots. Uh, it's so it's fa- it's familiar to me because as a personal trainer, that means I get kind of this weird membershipy access to certain places. So Lululemon yeah. is one of them. I'm part of their sweat collective. So that means I get 25% off. It's not 25%. That's too high. I think it's like 20% on Lululemon. <laughs> but Don't- that's because that's because you're you're a trainer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And so I'm not having to pay to access it, but I am. I mean, I paid for like a personal training certification. And then I have this discount with Lululemon and other stuff that I get. Viore, on the other hand, has done this very, very well. Viore with a personal trainer certification, 40% off anything you buy, which oh. is. I mean, I went to Thailand and I didn't have any clothes for Thailand and I wore a hundred percent Viore for the entire two weeks I was in Thailand. And it was I added bras, shorts, shirts, swimsuits, everything I could possibly get. Used obviously my account and getting that 40% discount. Now every single time I'm thinking I need new leggings, I need new this, I need new that. Even though I do love Lululemon and I love athleta leggings are the ones that I wear the most. Mm-hmm. Every single time I'm thinking about buying athleisure, I'm going to Viore first because I know that I'm getting these perks. And I think it's the same psychology where it's like, if I didn't have that CPT, I would pay for this 100%. I would pay for this 10 times over because of the access I've gotten to their products. And then, yeah, you just become inherently who do you pick first when you're thinking about it instead of going to Amazon and searching like best leggings or going to whatever best leggings. I'm just going, Viore has to have leggings, right? And I'm already bought in half my closet is Viore already because I Mm -hmm. have this exclusive access to something. So I think the psychology is there. And I just know if I turn off that, if I didn't have it because of this personal training certification, would I pay for it? 
Absolutely, yes. But it's like getting over that first hurdle. you got to really love the brand to do it, which is very, very interesting. I think we could go in a whole conversation about this too around creator and celebrity found brands and how they can leverage memberships. I could talk about that for, for two hours, so I won't go too far into it. I will make a prediction, and I'm not sure how much this is backed in actual fact versus emotion, but the one thing I was surprised about is, you know, pets and animals tend to naturally seem to me as someone with three dogs and a chewy subscription that I've literally never missed because they eat the same amount of food every single day. The, the, the growth in that category hasn't been as big as some other categories. I'm predicting that there was kind of this boom of adopting pets and getting animals during the pandemic. We saw oh. that growth. And now we kind of see this like, how food and Bev might have been three, four years ago felt like everything was kind of the same. There's not a lot of differentiation. I'm going to make the prediction that pets and animals, those merchants are going to do some cool, cool shit this year. Interesting. I like that, that prediction. Out of left I didn't field. I think about that. Yeah. Um, I also wonder if they were affected by supply and demand like big time, issues yeah. and whatnot. And that kind of contributed to the lack of growth there, but... Anyways, we are well over time. I feel like we should wrap it up. Any last thoughts? Welcome or notes? to uh, Kristen asking questions on a podcast. Chase, you <laughs> have to give us your prediction. I'll, I'll make one prediction and I'll keep it as quick as I can. But it's going to be a macro prediction. It's not a it. specific about any sort of industry or anything like that. I think, I think we're hitting the very tip of the iceberg for subscription. I think we've had weird stuff happen over the last five years. I think there was some natural huge growth. I think we had great economy, awesome options. I think COVID was a weird couple years that felt yeah. like a week and a half, but also like 10 years at the same time. And I think I think a lot of brands have been restricted by their just the world of what we were allowed to do. I think hopefully with everything getting back to normal in the near future, if it's not already there, I think we're going to start to see brands taking risks in brands starting to do what we were talking earlier about kind of balancing acquisition of data, becoming data companies. How do you focus right. in on retail versus Amazon versus right. D2C? You know, what's the right data to get? How much information? How many emails are we sending weekly? Because I get way too many of them. And I'll tell you right now, it's too many across the board. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're going to start to see some experimentation. So maybe a weird, rough six, 12 months. But I think we're going to see some really cool stuff coming out of the back end of that based on what the community comes up with. And I think that's where, moving into the shameless self-plug, that's where I'm so excited for ChargeX because we get to bring together so many of these subscription brands. You know, What have you been working on? What have you been seeing? We have this SSC report and there's a lot of data that goes into this, but we have awesome brands on stage who were unique and who are doing crazy things and they're leading the pack on subscriptions and testing out memberships and all of these things. And now I'm rambling, so I'm gonna stop, but I'm excited <laughs> to see what everyone comes to, to ChargeX with. And I'm excited to see what the future holds. Yeah, I love it. I feel like you just you just wrapped that like the most professional podcast host ever. I love it. And a bow on it. I'm ready for Christmas. Ready well for done. Christmas. <laughs> it's only March. You're going to get all the <laughs> operators listening. Just immediate stress. Everybody's sweating now. They're like, don't talk about Christmas. Or I'm not Black ready Friday, for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Monday. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. Uh, I feel like we should do this uh, more often because this was super fun to digest this with you guys. One, thank you for letting me 
join this fun podcast hit subscribe crew. I'm so excited to be here. I miss this mic. There's literally dust on it still and dog hair. So that's fun. <laughs> I love We're that. honored to have you. Thanks so much for joining us for our first episode as we kick off season four. Make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from or check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe to take a look at our latest episodes. Thank you.